Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Anyway, good morning. How's everybody doing today? It's so good to be together in the house of the Lord on this beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. And uh, I am very, very excited to, to be here with you. And we are continuing our series called Maxed Out. Um, and uh, this, this season, in this series, we've been talking uh, a lot about uh, getting into the secret place. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that and being reoriented in, in our relationship and in our identity with Jesus Christ uh, as his sons and daughters. And in that secret place, being refueled, being filled up with the Holy Spirit and empowered to do what he has called us to do. And then the, the next week, we talked about getting rid of sin in our lives because sin always separates, it always corrupts, it always keeps us away from the presence of, of God. But today, what I want to talk about is this idea that the presence of God isn't something that we only find when we are praying. It's not something that we only find in the, the corporate worship uh, set here like we're doing this morning. It's not only found when we're diving into the Word of God, though He is absolutely in all of those places. But what I want to encourage us and remind us and teach us this morning is that the presence of God is really with us everywhere that we go. And every moment of every day, we can tap into the presence of God, the the knowledge that he is with us, that he is filling us up, that he is pouring into us the fruit of his spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? And so even in the most maxed out of times in our life, we can find uh, these uh, peace and uh, we can find rest in his presence uh, right, right where we are at. And so I think that we are having some problems with the uh, display thing. We've lost a small remote that helps us make things happen. So I'm going to have to read you the scriptures this morning. You're not going to be able to read along with me. Uh, So the first one we're going to turn to this morning is John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Oh, things are happening. Look at you guys. Nothing stops you guys. Awesome. So we're maxed out. Here we go. Uh, Where did I put that quote? Hold on, here it is. John 4, 13 and 14 says, Jesus answered, and so Jesus is here, he's talking to this Samaritan woman at, at the well in, in the Gospel of John. And this is a, a shocking thing in that culture. This, not only was Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, talking to a woman, but he was talking to a Samaritan woman who would have been an outcast and considered a heretic to the Jewish people. But Jesus is talking to this woman. And interestingly, as a side, Jesus has a very, very high uh, opinion of, of, of women, and he values them. Women, I believe, were the first apostles. They were the first ones to see Jesus after he rose from the tomb, and they were the ones sent to tell the rest of the disciples. Um, and so we value the, the ministry of, of women here at New Day Community Church. So that's a freebie. That wasn't even in my notes. Freebie there. Uh, John four thirteen to 14 says, Jesus answered this woman. He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He had just asked her to, to draw him some water. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Right? And so in the, the gospel, Jesus is saying, everybody who puts their faith in me as, the, as their Savior, as their Lord, inside of them is going to be a spring of water. And he clarifies this a little bit more a few chapters later in John 7. He's at a great feast, and he says, says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So here we have, again, this similar picture of, of living water that comes from within us somehow. And then he clarifies this in verse 39. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so the Holy Spirit, who Jesus pours out on all who believe after he's been glorified by the Father, after he's ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, Jesus pours out the gift of the Holy Spirit upon believers, and that Holy Spirit now dwells within us. Right? And so the idea is that we walk around with the presence of God right close to us, right within us, out of our belly, I believe, is how the, the, uh, the King James Version translated it. Right? And so we don't have to go far. We don't have to work hard to get into the presence of God. As, as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And so I want to tell a story of, of a man by the name of Nicholas Herman. This guy was born in the 1600s in Lorraine, France, is eastern France. And he uh, was born into a very, very poor family. And at some point, he decided to uh, join the army so that he could eat every day and have a, have a place to live. And this would kind of solve his poverty problem. And while uh, Nicholas Herman was in the army, he had this in- encounter, he had this experience with God. And he looks at this barren tree. And as he looks at it, he's captured by the love of God because this barren, empty, dead tree, though it looks you know, barren and, and wasted and dead and lifeless, he knows that by the grace of God and by the providence of God, by the sovereignty of God, that that tree, once spring hits, is going to come alive again. And he realized that that same grace is available to him. And so he just somehow, you know, I've never had that encounter when I've looked at a barren tree, but this tree just spoke to him. And, and at that moment, he gave his heart to Jesus and he raced after him for the rest of his life. And so at some point in the army, Nicholas is injured and he gets discharged. And so now he's in poverty again. He doesn't know what to do. And so he ends up becoming um, a, a, an employee, not really an employee, but he works at this monastery in, in Paris. He kind of works in the, the kitchen as a lay minister there. And he takes on the name of Brother Lawrence. Has anybody heard the name Brother Lawrence? Brother Lawrence, he wrote a little book called Practicing the presence. And he didn't actually write it. There was um, a guy came and interviewed him and kind of asked him about his, his, uh, his wisdom and, and wrote those down. And then after Brother Lawrence died, they found some maxims that he wrote and they combined those things into a little book called Practicing the Presence. And he worked there in the monastery in the kitchen. And it says uh, in this 
uh, article that I read, it says, amidst the chores of cooking and cleaning at the constant bidding of his superiors, he developed his rule of spirituality and work. And I'm just going to read you a quote that I think kind of highlights what he said. I put it in the slide in the wrong place, so I apologize. Here it comes. He said, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Anybody, can anybody relate with that? It seems like a lot of work to get into the presence of God sometimes. We've got to go through all the motions, right? We've got to, you know, whatever, spend 20 minutes in, in prayer so that we can come and, and talk to God or that we can sense his presence or, or whatever. I've got to show up to church, you know, every Sunday, though you should. You should absolutely show up to church every Sunday, right? You have to go through these kind of religious activities to be in God's presence. But Brother Lawrence says this, he continues, yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier to do our common business wholly for the love of him? And the common business for him was just this mundane and routine work of, of life. And it's said that he kind of, that uh, Brother Lawrence said, you know, he encountered God amidst the pots and the pans says that he, uh, when he would, he would flip the, the cake that is frying in, in the pan for the love of God, and when that was done, if there was nothing else for him to do, he would turn and he would get on his face before God and worship him. But he didn't have this huge dichotomy between encountering God in the, in the quiet place, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which is super important, and encountering God in the midst of our work and the things that we do day in and day out. And so hopefully today we can elevate our idea uh, of work. And not to, so we can stop looking at work as this kind of necessary evil that befell man after the fall, right? But it's this good thing that God created for us to do. It's this good thing that God placed us on the, on the earth in order to glorify him and to bless others and to subdue the earth. Work is not the enemy, I believe on the new heavens and the new earth, we are going to work. It's not just clouds and harps, which is probably good for a lot of people. People are excited about not playing a harp all day, but there's going to be stuff to do. I think we're going to be climbing mountains and exploring the glories of God's creation for all of eternity. So all work is good. It's God-honoring. It is valuable. And we don't want to ever compartmentalize our life into the, the spiritual realm and our regular life. It should all be one thing. Right? When I first became a, a Christian, when I gave myself my life back to the Lord about 25 years ago and chose to, to follow him, I thought that all good Christians, people that really love Jesus, must go into the ministry. And so I kind of set my, my eyes and my heart on on pursuing a ministry because I wanted to, to serve God well and you must only be able to do that in, in the ministry, not, certainly not at Little Caesars, that's ridiculous. Right? And uh, so at some point when our daughter Emma, who's 19 now, um, we went, Amber and myself and little Emma, when she was like six months old, huh? She was like six months old. We went to uh, Elam Bible Institute in New York, it was upstate New York, and 
And it was one of those weekends where they, you can kind of come and you check out the, the school and you go to the classes. And I was really excited. I was like, oh, man, we are on our way. We're going we're gonna to move here and we'll go to school. Here's married housing. And we're kind of getting it figured out. And the Sunday night after, after this weekend, they're having a, a worship service uh, for all the people visiting. And Emma, uh, Amber had to take Emma back to the room because she was getting fussy or whatever. And I remember clearly, and it's one of the times that God spoke almost audibly to me. And I was laying down at the back of the room just worshiping the Lord. And, and I, heard him, I heard him say, you're not supposed to do this. Don't not, you know, this is not what you're supposed to do, something like that. And I was like, shook. I was, what are you, ta- Lord, what are you talking about? Like, this is, this is the plan, right? I love you. I want to serve you. And he's like, no. And so at that moment, I, <laughs> so, and I was confused and like, okay. So I went back to, to, to uh, Kalamazoo and I was like, Cameron, I'm staying. You, you win. Here, I'm, I'm going to stay here with you for a while more. And, and I kind of gave up on that idea of being in, in the ministry. And so I walked away from that and worked at Little Caesars and then at Fox Brothers and sold siding. and did all sorts of things until at some point late, about 10 years ago, God renewed this idea. And I was talking to my friend, Scott Jones, who pastors New Day, South Carolina. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I was like, I think maybe I'll be like a counselor or like a psychiatrist. You know, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And he's like, he's like Mark, Mark, you just want to be a pastor. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to be a pastor. Uh, I gave that up. And, you know, Lord, the Lord told me not, that that's not what's happening. And, and in this conversation, realized that he was like, when, he, when God said, no, you're not doing that, he meant not now. Right? I had this little family and ends up we were going to have Josh pretty quickly later after that. And I, I had to take my time and my attention pouring into my family. And the other thing that God did was he broke this lie that I believe that good Christians, to be faithful to God, go into the ministry. And I learned how to serve God and love God in the midst of carrying 12-foot boxes of siding through muddy job sites, right? I could do that for the love of the Lord. And so, and so we cannot compartmentalize our spiritual life and go, oh, those people that work at the church or whatever, they're the good ones, and we're just kind of going to sit here and, you know, wait for Sunday morning so we can encounter God. That's crazy, right? And the Bible is full of these uh, teachings that show us that, that God values work, and God just values regular life, right? In Mark 5, I don't have this one up there, so I'm just going to read it to you real quick. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. Um, So Jesus has just healed uh, this demon-possessed man. It's this story of there's a demon in him, and his name is Legion, and Jesus casts him out. He goes into a herd of pigs, and the pigs kind of run down into the and drown themselves in the lake. And then in verse 18... It says, Jesus was getting back into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And as I was reading that, I was just struck. This man has this incredible supernatural encounter with Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. 
right? And Jesus says, no, go home, right? To follow Jesus doesn't mean that we're stepping into full-time vocational ministry, though here's a a spoiler, each one of us is in full-time ministry, right? We are all called to bear witness of God. And, And people who are not stuck in a church Monday through Friday and Sunday mornings, you have this opportunity to arise and shine and, and bring glory to God, you know, through uh, your daily life at the office, um, you know, when you are at the store, when you're meeting people, wherever it is, you have this amazing opportunity to, to bear witness, to be priests, to mediate the, between man and God, to help people encounter him, right? And so we want to value that. Jesus values serving and being in just normal life. You don't have to give up everything. You can go home and serve Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, and then in Thessalonians 4.11, uh, Paul says this, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. That's radical. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So we see right here, just, in, just live a normal life, right? You don't have to sell everything and move to Bethel to be a good Christian. <laughs> so you can, it's an option. Right, but you, can just, you are not um, displeasing to God as you faithfully serve your family and your spouse, as you faithfully go to work. Right? As you faithfully bring glory to him by acting with all the characteristics of God in your daily life. And people are going to notice that, and they're going to be drawn to you. I had this friend, and uh, his name was Drew, and he still is Drew. He's still a friend, and his name is still Drew. Uh, and we met, I used to play this incredible game called Star Wars Miniatures, and it, it was these little plastic uh, Star Wars figures, and you would, anyway, you would fight each other. It's a very, it's a, it's a fun, fun game. I, I played that a lot. And uh, anyway, forget that. So I was playing Star Wars miniatures at this game store called Fanfare Comics and Cards right down the street from my house. And I met this guy. His name was Drew. And we kind of just struck up a conversation. We ended up liking each other. And we, w- we started hanging out. And he, at some point, found out that I was a Christian. I wasn't hiding it, but I was I wasn't there to evangelize him. I was just there to to play Star Wars and to have fun. And one day, out of the blue, he calls me up and says, Mark, I know that you're a Christian, all right? He's like, never talk to me about Jesus and never pray for me. I'm like, like, all right, well, can we still play Star Wars? (laughs) Yes, okay, great, fine, I'm fine with that. All right, and so we just hung out. And we, I probably hung out with Drew every, once a week, you know, just doing whatever and had a group of guys that we played games with and it was really fun. Anyway, so life goes on. A couple years later, Drew calls me up. He's like, Mark, I have, I have a question for you. How do you forgive somebody? I'm like, and so I'm kind of like trying to think, like, what do I, what do I say? And I'm like, well, Drew, here's the thing. I can't talk to you about forgiveness without talking to you about Jesus. And he's like, okay. And so I just was able, I shared the gospel with him. I shared about, you know, forgiveness. I can forgive because God has forgiven me so much. Right? And it was this great conversation. And uh, we're still working on Drew. He's not given his life to the Lord yet. But there's something about the way I carried my life. There was something about the way that I, you know, I was working at Fox Brothers at the time. 
and he knew that I had some interpersonal struggles, but he saw how I dealt with them and was gracious and forgiving of them. And he's like, how do you do that? I'm like, oh, it's because of Jesus. Right? And so just in the midst of my normal life, I was able to glorify God and share the gospel, something a full-time pastor would never have been able to do. All right? Am I beating that into the ground? Okay, moving on. So we're not created uh, you know, to, to separate the, the sacred and the secular. We're supposed to bring them together. And we're also not created just to spend 24 hours a day soaking in the presence of God, right? And by soaking, I mean um, like, uh, like turning on some worship music and just laying there and allowing God just to wash over you, to fill you up again, right? Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And soaking is just one way that I just stop and turn my attention to the Father and say, would you come and and fill me up again, right? We're not called just to to live in our prayer closet, right? Though that's incredibly important. We need to spend some time there. We're not called to spend 24 hours a day just pouring through the, the Word of God and studying the Bible, though that is really, really good. We are created to get refueled and to reorient our place in, or reorient our identity and reorient our lives uh, as Christ followers, as sons of the Father in the secret place. But then we're supposed to go. We're supposed to, to take that presence of God that we encounter in the secret place and take it out into the world with us. Right, because in the Bible, the story of the Bible reveals that, that God's heart is to be present with us. Right? He wants to be present with us in the, the day-to-day struggles and glories of real life. Right? In, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, at the very beginning uh, of, of Genesis, we see that God walked with Adam and Eve. He was close by them. He was in, they, were, they were in the presence of God. They could hear his footsteps. And then we know that there's some some trouble in in Genesis 3, and there's the fall, and there's the separation from God. But God immediately goes into action saying, I'm going to restore right relationship here. And we see as we move forward into the the New Testament that, that, that God sends Jesus, who we call Emmanuel, God with us. He is restoring his presence with his people. And the Bible ends in Revelation with the the city of of God, the presence of God coming and and filling the earth. And verse 3 of Revelation 21 says, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is where we're, we're moving towards. We're moving towards the fullness of the presence of God tangibly, whatever that looks like, on the new heavens and the new earth. It's going to be real good. God is about being present with us, and we are to learn how to practice that presence and be aware of the manifest presence of God. Because as we know, God is omnipotent. I don't know if you guys have... Well, he is omnipotent. That's not what I meant. But God is omnipresent, right? Which means he is everywhere all the time. And so there's this idea, like, what do you mean we're going to practice the presence of God? God is everywhere all the time. But throughout the story of of the faith, the story of God and then the Bible and beyond, we see that there's certain times and seasons when God shows up more tangibly. Like, is he really more there? Probably not. But as, as people, as mortals, like our eyes and ears, our spiritual senses are opened up 
to see him and to hear him and to feel him. Right? And that's what we want to learn to practice, that we can step into in the midst of the craziness and the hecticness and the maxed outness of life, we can step into the presence of God. And so we can do both. We can practice the presence of God and work. Work is good. Okay, so where do we want to go from here? <laughs> Thank you, Father. And so at the beginning, we talked about in the Gospel of John, in chapter 4 and chapter 7, that there is a river of living water that, that dwells within us, that we, can, we have access to. That is the, the Holy Spirit, God in us. Right? And so because God is in us, we have direct access to God. We don't need to go to the temple. We don't need to have a, a priest mediate between us and God. We can step right into his presence. And, and uh, a few weeks ago, I don't know if anybody was able to uh, attend the revival night meetings over at Celebrate One in Three Rivers. It was really, really, it was really, really good. And so I showed up on, on Friday it's Friday, and I kind of went because I was supposed to. It's kind of my, you know, in a sense, it's kind of my job. And I was like, it'd probably be good to, to turn up to the, to the revival night. And, uh, and so worship is going on, and Carrie Miller, who's an amazing worship leader from, from Nichols, the Nichols campus, is leading worship. And it's really, really good. But honestly, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just kind of like, oh, they're still singing. Okay, okay. I know none of you guys can relate to that, but I was just kind of, I was like, oh man, there's, can, we get to, can we get to the next part? Um, and but people are encountering God, they're going all out in, in worship, and at some point, maybe 20, 25 minutes into, into to worship, I was just like, you know what, I just want this. I just want what these other people are encountering, and what they are you know, what the, the freedom and the joy that they're finding in the presence of God. And so even though I didn't feel it in, my, in any part of me, I just put my hands up and I just, like, I'm just worshiping you, Jesus. You know, you're, you know, just you are glorious. I praise you, whatever they were singing. And I was just pressing in. And at some point during that, I don't know if it was, the worship went for a long time. It was a little over an hour or something. At some point, like, I just was like, I kind of just encountered God. He just showed up. And so there is something about that, that secret place encounter. Well, it's not really a secret place. There's a lot of people around. But just pressing into God and, and, the, and just doing the, the work to encounter him, breaking down the walls that kind of form in our hearts and minds that might keep us separate from God. And so I was like, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to press into God. And he, he just showed up and he filled me with his joy and his peace. And I, le I left that meeting right at the end of three hours or whatever it was. And it, and it was just like, I left going, oh man, that was so good. I just feel so refreshed. And that's good. We have to do that and that is important. But what that does is the next day, Saturday, as I'm going about my daily routine and uh, trying to figure something out, I'm just like, and I, I, I remember standing in my, in the, uh, that's not a foyer, it's the right where my, the front entry of my house. And I was stressed out about something. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I just stopped, stood right there. I go, River of God, would you just bubble up? I just need your peace right now. I can tell 
that I'm stressed out. And immediately, the Holy Spirit just showed up. Oh, thank you, Father. So good. And so there's this balance, right? We, we, need, all, we need just to remember the presence of God dwells inside of us and we have access to him and he'll bubble up and give us life. But we also need those times of secret place encounter when we're running after him with all of our heart and with all of our strength, when we're breaking down those barriers that separate us, right? Because the, in all honesty, right, in the, in the day-to-day moments when we see God, just go, if there's something in the way, we can just go, God, I, I just repent, I repent of that sin. Would you forgive me? Boom, we're done. We're brought right back into closeness with the Father. We have direct access all the time, right? But there's something about the secret place and drawing close to him and pressing into him that helps us to encounter him more easily throughout the week. Right? So we need to remember that we have direct access to God, that there's this river of life that can bubble up inside of us. Right? And so when you are stressed, when you are nervous, when maybe if you, you're depressed, whatever it is when you're maxed out, what is it that you turn to? What is it that you rely on? Over the years, I've relied on a lot of things. You know, TV shows. Uh, video games, board games, all sorts of stuff, alcohol, all sorts of things. Tried to, to, I'm stressed out, I need some relief, I'm going to go to this, right? And there's something about being able to, to go to something that's physical. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people nowadays just go to their phone like, oh, I'm kind of stressed out, I'm just going to zone out on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or whatever it is. Right? And we just use these things because it's tangible, right? And we can do it, and it kind of meets this need, or it feels like it meets this need, but we, we, we move along still feeling just as empty and kind of blah and stressed out as before. That's just, we kind of numbed it or forgot about it for a minute. But we have access to the river of life. Right? What if we lived life believing that? The Holy Spirit was a tangible presence that we could run to in times of trouble. What would, how would that change our, our life if we are in, in, uh, you know, in some stressful situation and instead of running away or lashing out in anger or what, dealing with it however we normally do, go, stop and go, God, I just need to, to be filled with your Spirit right now. Right? Maybe I just need some self-control. Would you fill me with self-control? Would, I just need some peace in this. Would you fill me with peace? So what would it look like if we all remembered and practiced the presence of God in our everyday lives? It would change how we work, asking for wisdom. I don't go into a meeting without stopping for a moment and going, God, would you give me wisdom in this meeting? Give me the, the words to say. Open the lines of communication. You know, how is it going to change the way you parent? Learning to tap into the peace of the Holy Spirit amidst the chaos of parenting. The Holy Spirit might, might not make parenting less chaotic, but you can still find peace in the storm as we run to that, the river of life. You know, how is it going to change the way you talk to your spouse? Right, if as there's you know there's always going to be 
moments when there's a little bit of tension, maybe, not in my relationship, but in others I've heard about, uh, that you could, that, and you just need the Holy Spirit to, to come and, and cover you, right? So that maybe you're a little more gracious. Maybe you can step into forgiveness. I absolutely believe that learning to, to submit to one another and to practice uh, forgiveness it absolutely saved our marriage right? It's amazing. Just practicing what God, the the presence of God, letting him fill us up, learning to die to ourselves that we can't do without the presence of God in our, in our, in our hearts. So practicing the presence of God is going to, if we do it consistently, it's going to help us to step into abundant life in the midst of the whirlwind and all of the demands of life. So this week, this is what I want you to do. I encourage you to just try it. Maybe you're not sold. Maybe you're like, Mark, that is a bunch of malarkey. Should we say malarkey down here? Yeah. We do? Okay, good. Uh, so, but I encourage you just to, to try it out. Right? In the midst of your day, you know, as you're facing a, a meeting, as you try to tackle some project, do something at, at work, invite the Holy Spirit in. Right? There's, a, there's a river of living water within you, and you can say, bubble up. Holy Spirit, bubble up within me. Lord, I need to step into your life. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling worried. I'm, I'm feeling anxious. Will you come? Lord, I'm feeling tempted. Will you come and will you bring self-control right now? And just pretend for a week that it works and see how that transforms your life. All right? And so I want to close with one more Brother Lawrence quote. Let me get to it. Where is it? Here it is. Okay, here it is. Brother Lawrence said, a brief lifting of the heart is enough. Do this even when you're on the run, because brief reflections of brief reflect because brief reflections on God, inner acts of adoration, short though these prayers may be, please God. It's so good. You don't have to pray for an hour to get into the presence of God. Just turn your attention to him and he is there. All right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we're so grateful that you loved us, that you chose us, that you called us to be your sons and your daughters, that you have brought us into your family. We thank you, Jesus, that you poured out the Holy Spirit on us, and now that river of life dwells inside of us and flows out of us. Lord, help us to learn to practice your presence to step into the knowledge of your presence in every moment of every day. Lord, help us to to revalue the the work that we do, whether in the the marketplace or in in an office, there's my computer, uh, whether we uh, are stay-at-home parents, whatever it is we do, God, we we just repent for devaluing that and saying that is not important. We thank you that we can glorify you as as we, uh, as we farm and as we take care of the kids, as we uh, write emails at the office, whatever it is that we do, we give you glory in the midst of that. Lord, help us to practice your presence this week. In your name we pray, amen.